Hi, I'm Julie Wilkinson and I'm a Chartered Management Accountant and I'm excited to be launching the Build and Exit podcast. This podcast is for business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking to expand their business portfolio by acquisition or at some point in the future want to exit their business. We're going to bring real life stories and experiences of people who have grown by acquisition, who have exited their businesses and other areas of business such as funding and cash flows. So there'll be lots of opportunity to learn different areas of business and how you can, in the end, transition your business from a lifestyle to an asset. So look forward to seeing you soon. Hi, and welcome to the Build and Exit podcast. I'm Judy Wilkinson, and I'm the owner and founder of Wilkinson Accounting Solutions. I started the Build and Exit podcast in 23 off the back of the work we do with our clients at Wilkinson's because I noticed there was quite a gap of skill in the market in acquisitions, especially in terms of understanding financial reporting, valuations, and also like how to streamline a finance team post-acquisition. So the podcast has had lots of guests from different areas of business and different parts of acquisitions looking at acquiring or selling or funding. Uh, and I'm really excited today to introduce Adrian Knight. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Julie. Um, Adrian has come on the podcast, so a bit of background about him. Uh, Adrian has successfully done three acquisitions in 24 months. He is building, is built a three million pound group, and he's also done two franchises that has got just under 70 franchisees. So I know, I know Adrian does also have some another business venture as well. Um, but that's sort of an acquisition journey he's been on in one of his groups. Um, and I thought it'd be a great content uh, for others to learn um, about his journey. And also we're going to look at um, Adrian's taking a bit of a step back in his acquisition journey to look at how to integrate a back office. And that's something we're going to look at today. So thanks for coming, Adrian. Oh, thank you for having me, Jilly. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure and honour to be on your podcast. Ah, and I just want to hand over to you so you can say a bit about yourself, really, your journey and why you've come on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been acquiring businesses since early 2020. Um, I've, I've acquired several companies. Uh, I've had some successes, but also some uh, real train wrecks in there as well. And um, it was sort of towards the end of 2000, the summer of 2020, when I was looking uh, like very sort of objectively and seriously at kind of the different businesses that I had. And I just felt like I wanted to, I certainly wanted to keep on acquiring, but I wanted to do something with a bit more meaning um, sort of to me personally and something that had a bit more of a, like a social impact. And through a series of sort of serendipitous events over that summer, I, I sort of arrived at the children's education sector, which having been a, a fairly new dad was like a whole new world to me. And I, I was fascinated with this, with this new world. And so in August, 2020, I made a very conscious decision that I was going to play a part in this, in this sector. And I started by acquiring a very small franchise network called Talking Tots, which only had eight franchisees, uh, to it. So in the franchise world, that's, um, you know, it's very small, but I just wanted to get under the skin 
of a business in this sector and to understand a bit more and also to have a bit of uh, credibility. And then fast forward two years later, that has that sort of first acquisition has led on to uh, two more acquisitions. So we're currently as a group sitting at uh, just under three million in revenue. Uh, we've got 17 employees. And for the last, well, I mean, it's coming up to 12 months now, we've focused on nothing but the back end sort of post acquisition work, which has been probably the most challenging part of the journey so far. And we've still got a lot of work to do there, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a great rise. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you've taken a step back because you don't hear a lot of people talk about post-acquisition and the challenges. There's a lot of people that get to the point of close and then you never hear from them again, you know, or, you know, you're working with someone, so brokers and things, and they maybe disappear after the deal deal happens. So then it's interesting. Nobody then sees that personal journey for somebody after they've, after they bought it, what made you decide to focus on the back office? Well, it was, I was kind of forced, forced into it and like forced into doing so because my last acquisition, which was in uh, early October of last year, that was a real, that was a turnaround. So that was a business that had 10 employees in it. It had a decent level of revenue, um, but it had so many problems. It had zero process. It was very old school in the way it was being run. And so going into that, I mean, the I mean, literally the day after signing um, was straight into the first major fire and it was just fire after fire after fire. And so it was a question of as we were putting out these fires, it was like, well, we need a process in place to be able to prevent this from happening again. And it was kind of like opening Pandora's box, like you're opened one bit and then you have 10 more problems that would appear. And so, um, yeah, fast forward to today and we've we've just done so much work on our systems and our processes and this is how we're going to approach this. But it became clear to me probably around sort of spring of this year that um, we didn't just need to do it for that particular business in a state of like sort of being highly reactive, that actually we needed to take this a, a step further and start to consolidate this group and put in, uh, like put in sort of broader systems. So, for example, if we was looking at and we was looking at our IT systems for this uh, for this last acquisition, well, that also made us look at the IT systems for the other companies and be like, well, how are we going to manage this? Like, do we want to have it um, more sort of fragmented, like a federated? like group structure or did we want to go down the consolidated route and then once we made those decisions we then had to start rolling out and so yeah I mean given given the opportunity I probably would have done another acquisition because it is fun and super sexy and uh, it's a real thrill but I just knew realistically that that wasn't that wasn't this phase this phase was a, a period of putting the right foundations in place so that we could then keep on acquiring um sort of trying to look five to ten years ahead rather than like five to ten months and when you did the acquisitions originally out of interest did you have an integration strategy no um it was completely i want to be in a sector i'm just going to go and take some action and acquire a small business and then basically just see what happens and, and go with it from there. Like very, I was so early into my acquisition journey. Like I don't, I've made my first acquisition. It was about seven or eight months earlier. So I was still very, very new. 
And I actually exited that last year uh, to sort of to focus on the children's uh, education group more. But yeah, I just, it was all front end, like what's right in front of you. Whereas now when I'm looking at acquisitions, look at them in a completely different way. And I think the level of due diligence we go into now is just, it just levels, levels deeper and not just financial due diligence. It's like the full works. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you talk about back office, then integrating the back office, just, just for people that maybe, because there could be a lot of things in the back office, what things are you included in that? What type of things are you looking at? So, I mean, we've looked at everything that sort of underpins the business. So first of all, our office and our office location. So with my, uh, with the second acquisition, we took out a very small serviced office, which was uh, just outside of Watford, um, which served our purpose at the time. But after doing the third one, the like with that acquisition, we had to move office because it, it like the business was in a just a horrendous lease situation like we had no choice but we had to move so again it was like looking at office space and thinking well we've got 10 people in this business right now but what about the other companies and how can we start to create a space where we can for example consolidate our finance function across the group and what would that look like so that was a very um that was a very sort of tangible like back office sort of integration piece that 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 was sort of the first to look at then it was like IT then it was marketing then it was even sales and recruitment as well because we have two franchise networks it was like well like there's a lot of costs that can be uh, consolidated here and potentially we can offer a better service to like people inquiring about a franchise because if they're interested in one but that territory isn't available, then we've got another one that we could pre- we could present to them and we want to present more to them down the line. But then you have to think about stuff like GDPR and and all of this stuff. So it was just like this never-ending, uh, this never-ending cycle. And we're still on that journey, but it was all of the stuff that's in the background that certainly from a an acquisition perspective, we don't always think about. Like we're just so focused on the deal and the deal structure, but it's the engine behind the business that you know that, that that was really it and you say you've been focusing on back office for 12 months is, is that what you is, yeah how long and we've still been... got so much work to do so yeah. much work to do yeah so it just goes to it's show crazy. doesn't it how much work there is how much work there is on the back office isn't it I, I don't think people really think about um because we see it a lot one of the things we help people with on the acquisitions in Wilkinson's would be the consolidated budgets for all these things because one of the things we look at helping people think about would be okay so you're doing an acquisition what are your synergy savings what are your opportunities which is kind of what you're doing we're just looking at it from a numbers perspective because most people are trying to quantify things so you know if you've got three leases on back on offices the idea would be okay we consolidate those leases and in the end the, the overriding point for that would be streamlining you know systemizing but probably also cost saving because why would you not want to try and get a cost saving off the back of it mm. um and that's and when we and when we speak to people that are buying businesses 
especially if it's a business buying, not necessarily like an if it's a business buying and acquisition. What's interesting is they often don't have their own forecasts and plans in place for their own business in the first place. It's like, but if you're going to buy a whole nother business and then bolt it on and you don't have a business plan or a process or or even, a, you know, a, you know, I suppose your own internal improvements that you need in your own business, how do you then integrate that into an acquisition? Because you might have your own problems that you haven't resolved, let alone an acquisition problem. <laughs> so... It's so true. It's so true. And the first thing I'd done when uh, in my last acquisition was I um, took on a part time finance director, which I was itching to have previously, but we wasn't at the scale where we could support that. And um, I mean, even then, it took six months to get to a place where we had like proper visibility on that that particular business not even at a group level and we're still not there at a group level because we've been firefighting and a very sort of hands-on with the like with the last acquisition but yeah it's just like no one thinks of this stuff but this is the most important aspect of it it's 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 mad really to think that i mean i look back on myself and just going in sort of all you know, smile and, you know, fly by the seat of your pants. It's a little bit of, oh, yeah. I don't know what I'm getting in for. <laughs> I know, it's difficult, isn't it? But it's good that you look, it's good though that you've recognised it and you've taken the time to step back and review it because it will only get worse if you just keep bolting on more and more and don't fix anything, you know, then that will, in the end, it could get out of control, couldn't it? Um, yeah, definitely. And, and when you say you're sort of like forced... I mean, had you seen impact at the end customer on the basis that you didn't have a process? Uh, yes, yes, we did. So um, with this acquisition, I knew that I knew that there were problems in the business pre-acquisition. I knew there were problems in the business that weren't being said. Um, some of it, sort of like they didn't want to say, but also some of it, I think through pure like lack of awareness that of their own problems like the previous owners and so i structured the business in sorry i structured the deal in such a way so that um a lot of the consideration was on the back end and it gave us a bit of uh sort of breathing space so that we could get in and actually figure out where the problems were and what they you know how severe they were and some of them turned out to be very severe um, but then also had the protection so that the cost of those problems would be deducted from the consideration. So, and it was the only way the business was really gonna, it's the only way the owner was really gonna sell it because basically I've, like we were coming in because he was just done. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, sort of getting into it, the, I mean, in the first, within the first 24 hours, I, I have a message from two of the, the salespeople saying that the third salesperson was ciphering off leads and then uh, two days later, we had a major incident at um, one of the uh, schools, because this is a business that builds playgrounds, at one of the schools. And it just so happened to be uh, one of the top 10 private schools in the country, like right on the embankment in London. And the incident escalated and escalated and escalated to the point where the police were on site um trying to stop some contractors with, who had managed to break into the school um with their diggers fully prepared to start digging up all of the work 
And this is like 72 hours into, into the ownership. And I, I sort of looked at that and it was very, I mean, very heated and it was a complete standoff in the end. Um, uh, but I look, I looked at that at the time and I was like, this could have been prevented in so many ways by simply for a start having terms and conditions in place with this contractor, like a really simple, really simple fix um, by having a process internally that could have vetted them rather than the salespeople of all people choosing the subcontractor because they were the cheapest and they came first on Google. Like, and, and so the impact to the customer was like significant. Um, and unfortunately we had more of those cases where they like all of the sort of the, um, like the tail end from the previous like six to 12 months where it was just one problem after the other from a customer perspective, which is exactly why the previous owner wanted out. Like it, it was just, it was just, yeah, it was just bizarre, really. It was so surreal. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's so many small things in an acquisition that can actually cause such big financial problems. Yeah. Like I, one thing, one of the things we always look at is, you know, or say to people is think about, the business they're buying is it trade bar like the amount of businesses that have logos all over their vans as an example that signage is their marketing and actually the name's not trademarked and it's never been checked that it's not actually in breach of another i suppose larger brand um you know and i suppose you could argue well the risk is minimal it's never been found out before but actually you know if someone did notice that and the whole brand was a breach like what would that do i mean how would that impact the acquisition i mean that could literally be a game stopper couldn't it for a well, for a fun. period of time anyway it's funny you say that because this business was exactly that. It didn't own its trademarks. It had a competitor who owned its trademarks and it had another competitor who it was like the two names, but back to front. And, and I, But I knew this before going in, like as part of the due diligence, I knew that was the case and it was only acceptable because I knew we'd have to rebrand. Like I knew a rebrand was coming. Um, and so I was, I, I was, I went in with my eyes open, but I, I was sitting there like, how could you not trademark? like the company name, like surely this is, I, I don't know, it just felt so elemental, but, you know, clearly it's, it's, you know, it's not for some people. And um, yeah, it was, it was just sort of crazy, really. Had I had no intentions to rebrand the business, then I almost certainly wouldn't have gone forward with the acquisition for the very reasons you said, Julie, like it could be swept from under your feet within a matter of, you know, a day. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you've done some good due diligence, though, because I think you'd be surprised, Adrian, how many people wouldn't have even known that the trade it wasn't trademarked. I think there's there is a lot. I speak to a lot of buyers, and the feedback I get because a lot of people go into different. They're being taught in groups, so there's lots of them out there. You know, people that are buying people to buy businesses, mm. and the feedback. I get a lot from people that attend these types of courses. Is you know, it's great for deal flow. Maybe, maybe a bit of ego, trying to find the deals. But most people do say to me, but actually, I don't know what I do when I find them. Like, so they, mm. so they, there's a lot of people teaching to find deals and it's spurring people on to do the acquisitions. But a lot of these people then say, I don't really understand financials. And actually, I don't quite know what I'm looking for. 
And even worse, when the deal's gone live, a lot of them are, I don't actually know what I'm going to do to run the business. Like, that's not saying they have no clue in business at all. Like, everybody has their own skill set. But, you know, once once you take legal ownership of these businesses, you know, you are legally responsible. You know, and you, then you have a responsibility to your stakeholders to be able to, have, to be able to run this business effectively. And I just think... There's a lot of gaps in some of this teaching that's out there in terms of showing, telling people the reality behind like how hard it is once you buy the business. That's just it, and that was me. Like I, I done a training course and came out of it again, all rosy cheeked and big smiles, and let's go generate some deals. And I done my first acquisition within three months of doing that because I was I'd set myself up to do it like in terms of my bandwidth um because i had a business that i'd started and been running for um coming up to, to yeah seven years and so i went out and um acquired and my first acquisition it was actually i was very lucky it was a good acquisition and i exited it as well so it was great experience but then my next my next three acquisitions were just train wrecks because i had this false confidence behind me that oh this is this is, you know, this anyone can do this. This is how you do it. And then went into these and was just burnt big time because there was um, largely a lack of proper due diligence, and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, and and it was done all wrong. And they were very painful experiences, but they molded and shaped the um, like my, my approach to acquiring which is exactly what's happening now with this back-end integration it's made it's changing the way and continually changing the way i look at deals and look at acquisitions now and so it was like fortunately to those train wrecks that happened at the start of my journey that gave me the insight on how to structure this last acquisition and how to do the due diligence in a way so that um i could at least arrive at a position where I knew that there were problems, but we didn't have the answer to them this side of the deal. You know, that in itself was was like quite big because like you knew the problems were there, you just didn't know exactly what they were. Mm. But that sort of, you know, that mindset of going into that deal with that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the earlier train wrecks um so it was yeah it's it's been a pure baptism by fire in in every which way <laughs> oh wow so now you're looking at the back office so what's your intentions going forward are you still searching for acquisitions is what what type what are you looking for yes we are so as part of um like the back-end integration so people is very high on my list um, and there's been a, a like a lot of people changes and um, stuff that's that's happened, particularly over the last twelve months. But as part of that people strategy, I've engaged a non-executive director, very experienced uh, person within the sector, who's helping to um, helping to sort of guide certain aspects and components of the like the subsidiary businesses, but also of the group as well. And um, as part of that uh, relationships, uh, uh, relationship I have with them, they are helping me to prioritize which sectors to be sort of looking at within the broader scope of like our, our like group mission and what we're trying to do. So that in itself has been a real um, eye opener, I guess, in terms of doing that, like more due diligence on 
like the different sectors and markets because there's so many to go at rather than just doing it on a deal by deal basis so we've been looking at that in quite some detail and we've we've sort of zoned in on a couple of sectors which we feel would be a great area for our next acquisition in the context of where we are right now like there's other sectors we like the look of but we're not quite ready or it like it would be just too much for for where we are right now and we don't want to you know, it's all about managing risk here as well. And so we started to look at those, but interestingly, we have started to um, have started to look at those acquisitions from a people perspective. So rather than going straight to looking at the business, we've we first identified the sectors based on our where we are right now. And then second to that, we've looked and identified a couple of key people who we feel would be excellent and are qualified at running and operating those businesses, whichever the, you know, whichever ones we end up acquiring. So it's been a complete back to front approach that I've, I've ever done with my other acquisitions because they've always been about like the business. It's almost like more opportuni- opportunistic. Like, oh, this business has come up. Let's see if we can acquire it. But now it's like the complete reverse. So we're looking at those. I've, I don't feel as um, like rushed. Like I have to do. An acquisition right now. Um, I did with the other ones. It was like gotta grow, gotta grow, scale, scale, scale. But then the last acquisition just like it was brick wall after brick wall, and we've been steadily climbing over or breaking down or going around each of those, which has created space. But it's also a creative space for myself because I feel like even though I'm still very early in my acquisition journey, like I know that with the next acquisition, it's still going to be a journey within a journey. And and it's just like the component of timing has gone right up my priority list in terms of the right people at the right time to maximise our chances of like succeeding with this and not, yeah. you know, being called because uh, the police were on site at a, you know, a major private school in, in London. So... <laughs> Oh, it's not funny, but you have to, if you don't laugh, then, you know, what you'll just won't get over it, will you? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, if, if this, this last year has been so incredibly tough because of that acquisition. And I, I sort of knew, I knew I was going into, you know, a bit of a, a battleground here, but I didn't appreciate the extent of it. And it's been incredibly testing, but looking back, I mean, all you can do is laugh and I feel quite grateful that there's some, yeah, some pretty surreal stories and experiences there to sort of, yeah, tell my daughter when she's a little bit older. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for coming on. We're coming towards the end of the podcast now. It's been really good to hear the journey. And I think, I definitely think this is an eye opener. I think you've got the right idea there and you're really taking a step back and thinking about the group, which I think long-term will be the better thing for. I think if you're just going to keep adding on and adding on, it could have got into more of a mess, to be honest. So I definitely think you've got the right idea. And I just want to say thanks to all our listeners. Um, If you like our channel, please hit the subscribe button. We are nearly at 2,000 downloads now. Uh, which is really good considering we've only had it a few months, like I only launched it a few months ago. So I'm really pleased about that. And I look forward to seeing you soon. So once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you think there's anyone else in your network that might benefit from our podcast, then please share it with them. Either just click the link and send it to them or send it in a Facebook group or other social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe so other podcasts come to you directly as and when we launch them. 
So I'm really looking forward to seeing you next time. We've got some really exciting things coming up and we'll see you again soon.